This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Welcome to the Reading Teacher's Lounge. Hi, I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching since 2002. I have been a classroom teacher, reading specialist, and resource teacher. You can find me at readingdevelopment.com and at rdngdevelopment on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, I'm Mary Sagafi. I'm a reading tutor, and I have taught in all elementary grades. Um, I have Orton-Gillingham training, and I have recently earned my dyslexia advocate certification. And um, I am working and helping students and families that have reading issues and dyslexia for over 10 years now. I love talking all things teaching, and um, I'm excited to talk with you all today about some of our favorite resources here at the Reading Teacher's Lounge. Um, This is Season 2, Episode 15, and today we're talking about We Love FCRR. FCRR is the Florida Center for Reading Research, and you may have heard us chat about it on previous episodes. Um, The Florida Center for Reading Research is a fantastic resource that provides free instructional materials for teachers, specifically in grades K through 5, based on the National Reading Panel's reading instructional recommendations. So it's been around since 2006. It's been around for a long time, Shannon. Well, I mean, you guys, it's it's basically like free TPT. So I was using it before TPT. It was came definitely around and before I would, TPT came around. <laughs> yes. And I would uh, print the activities and color them myself and uh, laminate them and use them in my classroom. Um, and you have to dig through the website a little bit, uh, which Mary and I have done for <laughs> over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to help you guys... Um, we want to share some of our favorite activities and then give you a couple tips about how to really find the best resources because it can get overwhelming when you're looking for things um, on the website because there's just so much on there and it's all free and all research-based. And we have found that we love a lot of the games um, that are already provided on there. So we're going to take some of that, you know, decision-making out of it for you. And hopefully we can recommend some games that you can implement, um, Soon. If you're a parent listening to this, these are resources that are also available to you as well if you need to do some um, extra work with your kid at home. Um, And it would be in a fun game format. So um, let's just kind of dive in. So, first, my question to you, Shannon, is how did you first come across or how did you find out about this gold mine of a resource? So, this is something I haven't mentioned on the podcast before, but it's actually from my mother-in-law. Y'all don't know that I actually worked with my mother-in-law for many, many years. That's how I mm-hmm. met my husband is that she was a literacy coach at my school and she was obsessed with the website and she was constantly saying, you need to use it. You need to use it. And I'll be honest because it came from her. I maybe didn't use it for the first year <laughs> until she printed the activities and showed me how good they were. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> these are worth it. Nice. My mother-in-law suggesting it, but I'm going to use it anyway. And no, and she was right. She was right. It's a great website. She wanted to like make big binders full of, you know, for everybody in the school to use because they really were such good resources. And that was right when No Child Left Behind and the National Reading Panel and all that was coming out in the mid-2000s, you know. And so 
those resources were ready and available to use when we were in that hyper accountability period of mm-hmm. trying to leave no child behind. Right. Yeah. I, um, I think I came a little bit later. Um, I had just create, you know, done my switch from going to kindergarten and then I did my master's program in between there. And I think I was just kind of in the trenches. So I was a little late to, um, pick it up. I didn't pick it up until maybe like 2009 or 2010, but I had this rock star colleague who I absolutely still admire so much. Um, she's sort of like one of those like sleuths. She just, as soon as you tell her that there's a problem that needs to be solved, she can like search through the internet, just weed through all of the ridiculousness and find the answer and point you in the exact right direction. And when she would come in on a, you know, Monday morning, she'd be like, I was up really late last night, but I have great news because look what I found. And I've switched all my lessons and we're going to be focusing on this today. And (laughs) she just is one of those like dynamite people. Uh, Awesome. On the like hyperactive end of things, but I, Oh my goodness. Did I learn so much from her? So we, um, were lucky enough. I transferred schools and we were lucky enough to share a classroom together and we were also sharing paraprofessionals. And so we actually jumped like head first into this and our parapros were right there with us. And so we'd created big binders for the teacher resource room and we printed out, um, all of the activities and put them in binders. And then as, our classroom together, since we were in the special ed resource room, we created our own um, game packets. And so um, I'll talk a little bit more about how my organization looks, but being able to just, you know, start planning my lessons in the classroom, turn to my binder and flip through and say, do they have something that I can use with this? Yes. Great. Perfect. I'm grabbing and going right now. That made a big difference um, in how I was able to kind of use some of these activities. But it is not necessarily, you know, uh, something that all teachers are able to do or want to do. Luckily, we can just search and print these days. And that also is an easy way to find activities. So kudos to and my they really are grab. Yes, and they really are grab and go. I wanted to mm. just jump in with that because I like that each of the activities starts with a one pager where it's got the objectives and the materials and an activity description and a little picture. And then the resources are behind it. But that one pager was really helpful um, if I had a parent volunteer. Yes. Or for me, if I hadn't played the center in a while, oh, how do I do this again? Oh, yep. Okay. Um, I know how to do this activity. Or if we had um, tutors coming in the classroom, in that one page, it really did explain what to do. And um, the activities are laid out by skill. And so you know exactly which activity is needed for the students based on what they need to learn and work on. Yep. No, it's so great. I love that. So, um, I guess that then let's talk a little bit more about how to choose the activities and how to kind of go through and figure out, how, you know, okay, I'm teaching this lesson. How can I best support it with this intervention or this supplemental activity? Okay. Um, do we want to mention our faves first or go to that? Oh my gosh, later? Of course I want to talk about my faves. No, you jive right in. Tell everybody what our very favorite game is. Well, we were, when we were planning this episode, we both picked our faves and then we realized that our faves overlapped. And I'm like, Mary, you took my faves. Just like (laughs) the students say. 
Anyway, so I'm going to mention it must be really faves. <laughs> Yes, I'll mention one of the faves that Mary did not take and a couple others, and then she can go on the ones that are shared faves. But um, one in particular I like is a phonemic awareness activity that um, is called phoneme swap, and it's about phoneme manipulating, which we don't do enough of I don't do enough of as a teacher and so it the students um, see two different pictures like boat and coat and they have to decide um, what sound changed was it the beginning sound the middle sound or the ending sound and then what how did what you know what changed what did it change from what to what so in boat and coat the students will go oh the beginning sound changed from b to k and that um is just really, really high level phonemic awareness activity, but that helps students so much with their encoding. I'm going to flash back to our jargon episode about what phonemic awareness is. Phoneme Thank you for awareness. doing that. Yeah, no shit. No sh- and what a phoneme is. So a phoneme is the smallest part of a word. So in the case that Shannon's talking about in boat and coat, we're listening to just the first sound, the initial sound in the word. Phonemic awareness is something that you can do in the dark. So we want to give kids a representative picture of the word that we're talking about. So um, in this case, we're going to be rhyming or manipulating or just focusing on the sounds. And so if you are looking at pictures that deal with, uh, if you're doing, if you're looking at pictures from this website, then you're most likely going to be doing the phonemic awareness activities, which are the first um activities that are in each of the sections. And in the KN1, you can tell that they are um, a lot more simplistic. In the three, the second and third grade level, um, there are activities like Shannon was just describing where they're just a little bit higher level thinking. Um, one of my favorite ones in that area too is, um, uh, hmm, Where'd my list go? Here it is. Um, it's the medial phoneme dominoes. So the kids are looking at dominoes and they have pictures on each side and they're listening just for the medial sound. So the middle sound of each of those words that requires thinking about what the word or thinking about the picture, retrieving the word, breaking down the sounds, segmenting that out, and then matching the picture. It's not a babyish game whatsoever, but it doesn't require reading. It just requires a lot of thinking. So I love that one. Um, and, and I think that's what it really comes down to is like when you're choosing these activities, you need to think about what your student's ability level is and what is the skill that you want them to be able to accomplish. Um, for some students, it might not be a great plan for them to work on those medial sound dominoes if it's very difficult to follow multi-step directions independently. Um, or if they have a slower processing profile and maybe it's going to be too many, too many steps to get to the end product. However, um, it actually is a really important skill and requires some really good executive functioning skills to get to the end of that product. So um, that's one of my faves. Uh, that one is called, yes. yeah, so medial phoneme dominoes, PA004. Yes. And all of them are little, they have little codes about what the game is called as well as the title of the game. And we can link to the very specific games that we mention in more detail in each of um, in the show notes. So um, yes, in our, 
a bunch of episodes in season one, <laughs> Mary and I reference phonemic awareness and how important it is. And that usually that's the skill that's missing. If a student gets to third or fourth or fifth grade or even higher and is still struggling with learning to read, right. it's probably because of phonemic awareness. And so it's fantastic that um, FCRR has phonemic awareness activities throughout the students center activities, not just in the K and one games. But the one I was talking about, the phoneme swap, like you said, was from the second and third right. set. So we'll be really specific when we're linking um, these games. Another really important game that Shannon and I happen to adore together is um, a vowel picture sort game. And the goal um, is that the student m- will look at the sounds and determine whether it has a long vowel sound or a short vowel sound. Um And this matching game is really essential in helping students to understand what the different um, words would be. So there's a picture of a whale, and then the picture that they would match with it would have a long A sound. So gate would also match under whale because they both have that long A vowel sound. And then there's also a bat, and under the bat you would have a plant and also a fan because those two pictures indicate a short vowel, A. And they have them for long and short vowels for each of the vowels. So it's a very in-depth sort, and you can um, reduce it to just the just one vowel or the differentiation between um, long A and short A. It could be also long A and long O, short A, short O, or you could do all of them together. So I love, we love, love, love this game. Oh, love that game so much. And I think that love for FCRR is contagious because I introduced that game to my Title One para and she saw how much it helped with the students. And that is one of her must do activities, mm-hmm. just like it is for me and you. We talked about that in the Long Bell episode in season one, where any any time before I started teaching the magic E rule or open syllables, I pulled out that activity to make sure that the students heard the difference in the vowel sounds because it's so important developmentally for students to understand that one letter has two sounds. And otherwise, they throw away the short vowel sound the second they learn the long vowel sound. <laughs> yes, that's why we were teaching <laughs> that, that specific episode about long vowels. You can't just throw away that short vowel sound. You've been practicing it, practicing, practicing it, and then you learn about magic E, and it's like, oh, everything now gets an E at the end. I bet some of our listeners are nodding because they've, they've seen that phenomenon with their students. And so this I is a way to prevent that throwing away of that short vowel sound is make sure that they have that phonemic awareness of hearing the difference between the two sounds. And so that sort is fantastic. And I ended up taking um, inspiration from that activity for two of the resources that I created for sale. I um, wanted to make it a little bit more interactive than just the regular picture sort. And so I made a soccer game, um, a print version, as well as a digital version with through the boom platform and students um, sort the pictures in the short soccer goal or the long far away soccer goal. Cause I wanted students to kind of manipulate and remember if it was, you know, a short distance or a long distance to try to also remember those terms short and long. And so I'll link to those in the show notes because um, they've been pretty popular with my students and the people that have purchased those resources. I love it. 
as those phonics skills continue, I just, I'm not going to really like, you know, talk too, too much about all the games, but there are some really great syllable games um, that can help teachers specifically and explicitly teach syllables. And um, it also comes as a good review after you do um, a lot of your syllable instruction. So a lot of repetition and explicit instruction is necessary um, when it comes to teaching syllables and all the different syllable types. So they do a super great job um, with with that skill here um, on FCRR. Uh, any other favorite phonics games that you have in this segment? I'm trying to... Yes, well, I mean, are you going to talk about the star one or am I? Go, you go ahead and talk about the star one. Okay, this is one of the ones that Mary kind of took, but I'll say it. So the star game, that's what I call it with the students. And it is just fantastic. So it has, it's a short bell game. And it's actually a decoding one. So the students are looking at print and not doing pictures with this one. And so I guess it's in the phonics section, Mary? Mm-hmm, it is, yep. Okay. And so um, they, FCRR kind of picks out the letters that you need to make this game work so that it takes the guesswork out of it for you. And so let's do um, B and G because that one works. Okay. So um, the actually, vowel the is, one that I have is actually the D it, it's D okay. and then there's a slash line that's open for the vowels. And then G is the final consonant. But dag and dag don't work. They don't have to all be. um, Sometimes they are. Yeah, actually, so when you see, I'm going to post this for our listeners, but what you see on my um, example that my student was working on just earlier this week, we put an X for the words that are nonsensical words. And so he was able to determine whether it was um, an a real word or or a nonsensical word. And so um, the other example that is on here is H and then a space for the vowel and then T. And there are three real words, uh, no, four real words and one nonsensical word, het, H-E-T for that one. Okay. Well, why don't we, why don't we say both of those examples with the B and the G and the D and the G so we can say kind of how it works because a star has, you know, five points or whatever. So it's one for each of the vowels. And so then those consonants, the C and then the blank and then the other consonant. So the CVC are in the middle of the star and the students go around the star with and put different uh, vowels in with those consonants. And so they will go, if, for my example, B blank G, bag, bag, big, bog, and bug. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really good practice hearing the difference in the sounds. And then it lets you know if you need to do some of those medial vowel dominoes and other things, if mm-hmm. the students aren't hearing the difference in the sounds, if they have trouble decoding them. And I have really good conversations with the students where they'll say, well, those sound the same to me. Or, well, I can't hear, I can't, I don't know how to say the difference in those because bag and big sound the same to me. And so it's really good at, to me, teaching that preciseness of those short vowels. And usually their spelling will get better after I've done that game a good bit. Yeah. So then why don't you tell them that the D and the G one, and then how some of those are nonsense. Sure. So the way that we worked it together was, um, my student has, um, dysgraphia. So writing is a big challenge for him. So 
as we were writing, I actually did the writing um, and gave him some specific boundaries. So I wrote the D, gave a space, and wrote G. So his words were dig, dug, dog, deg, and dag. So he, as we went back through and reread the words that he wrote, he said, hmm, deg is not a real word. Dag is not a real word, but dig, dug, and dog are real words. So we put checks and X's next to those words. So I'll link a picture um, with his spelling work for that. But that was a really... I like that. Mm -hmm. And I was so impressed because his handwriting was so neat as he was going through um, and, and completing this this project. So uh, I loved the star game. That That one is a really good one. I like using it in small group because the students could be working on their little pages because there's so many of them right. that each of them could have different consonant um, star pages and then um, they could be working on them and rehearsing them. And I usually would have the students practice them a bunch either by themselves or with a partner and then read them to me. And I would sort of give, it wasn't a real graded test, but I would test it for accuracy to see if they could get four out of four out of five or five out of five, correct. Um, and then they could switch with a partner nice. and we would start to see patterns too. If they, you know, always were getting the short I wrong or they were always getting the short you wrong. Yeah. And I used that game as a um, inspiration as well. Cause I made a boom game based on it. And I called it read around the shape and I only did the real words. And so if the three of them worked, then it was read around a triangle. If four of the vowels would work, it was read around the square. And if all five worked, it was read around the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. And I automatically read the word on boom. That's why I love boom games so much because um, they, it's sound is built in. And so I would say um, Doug and then the students would have to click um, around the shape of where the D U G was. Right. And um, that worked really well with the blending um, practice. So after we would do the star game, in um, our small group, then I would send them to go practice the boom game for the next few days independently at their digital centers. And then I would bring them back and see if, you know, hopefully they had improved their accuracy from that point. I think that um, being able to adapt these games, especially for um, reading centers is so important. And sometimes if you're using them as interventions, like I was in my class, or um, I'm using them now for tutoring, these are really um, exceptional games that you can easily modify and um, create with different boundaries. So, you know, I have changed a number of the games just to give them, give my students a little bit more specific. Like if we're using letter tiles, then I might organize the letter tiles on a colored page, or I might color code the vowels a red color. I may um, color code the digraphs a different color. And um, you can really create these extensions, or it could be part of the activity with your students. Color all of the vowels red, color all of the digraphs green, however you need to, you know, modify the, the activity to make it a little bit more specific. So love that. Um, oh, I like that. I want to see some of the pictures of what you've done. Yeah, with I'm happy to share that. Um, all right. I want to move into fluency. Is that okay with you? Are you ready to move on to a different topic? Within the FCR. Yes, category. let me just say real fast when you said that they're adaptable, I like that they're adaptable too because I could, some of them I would do whole group, like that um, long and short one with the whale and the bat. Mm -hmm. I would sometimes do that in a pocket chart. 
Yeah. Um, Me too, actually. As part of my opening. Yep. Or as the closing, because it would be like a really quick exit ticket, you know, if the students could put it in the right place. And then sometimes I would do the games on the Elmo as well, um, the projector. Oh, yeah. Um, and then after the students were really, really solid with what all the pictures were, then I would laminate it and make them student centers. Um, right. But then sometimes I would include an answer key as well. So I think that's the key is like you need to, these are not activities I would say that you could just cut and give to your students right away. They do really need to be taught and practiced, but eventually then they can become centers. And I think that's why they're so good to use because as a teacher, this also gives you the indication of the skill and what it looks like and what should be explicitly taught. Um, and then once your students are solid with it, then you can let them practice this more independently or with a partner. And there are some really great ideas on how to make that um, happen within the activity directions on that first page that describes the game. So I love that. Um, yes. Okay. Now talk about how they're organized because I think that will also help yeah, us think- um, explain how to navigate their website. Right. So um, as I was saying before, so each of the categories are divided. So there's phonemic awareness, and then there's a number of categories even between phonemic awareness, which is matching and manipulating and blending and segmenting activities. And then um, there's another really big section, and the next big section is phonics, and that's what we were sort of talking about. And within phonics, there's variant correspondences, which are the different spelling rules. Um, And then there are some morphemic structures and how that changes. And then after we get to the next big section, oh, syllable patterns as well, the next big section is fluency. And I love this fluency. I actually did not practice this until maybe two years after I had been using a lot of these games because, like, I don't know, I just glossed over the fluency part. We were also using a different program. But um, this is such a quick, down-and-dirty way to teach um, the fluency concepts. And a lot of it is teaching phonics um, and the grapheme pieces. So there are syllable sprints if you want your students to read syllables. And um, my favorite one actually is called um, the speedy phrases. So instead of just using sight words, there's sight word phrases, and there are three or four word phrases um, that would be appropriate for whichever grade you have. And there's a yes and a no pile. And so a student takes the yes, their, their words and they read them. And if they get it correct, it goes in the yes pile. If it goes in the no pile, then they just keep moving on. And then they record how many phrases they read correctly. So you can have a student sit with another student to listen for accuracy. You can have a teacher do this. There are up to five different trials. So during tutoring, um, I let my students redo the cards that they have already been successful with, practice the ones that are in the no pile, and then when they go to their second trial, then they can try it again and see if they improve their score. So they're competing against themselves. This game works like a charm. I can't wait to link my video. I did it with three different students in this last week, and all of them were begging to take the game home with them. It was fantastic. Wow, don't you think my youngest son would like that? Oh, I do. because I think I'll do that with him. There's a difference between actually – 
reading just the sight word cards in isolation and then actually putting them with a little phrase, it makes them seem a lot more grown up. And and they become a lot more confident because they're reading multiple words at a time. So I kind of play it up and make a big deal and say, you know, you might have read 20 cards, but guess how many words you actually read? And so we count out how many words. You read a hundred words in one minute. Oh my goodness. And we make a great big deal about it. Um, and they gain a lot of confidence. So I love, love, love the speedy phrases game. Um, Yay. I will try that one for oh, sure. It's so and- great. At my home as well as at school. Yes, this is a fantastic game for parents to try with their kids. If you have a younger student um, who is in kindergarten, I would steer clear of this one um, unless they are more of an advanced reader because you want to keep working and getting those words a little bit more solid before you add too many. But if they've been working on those same words um, for quite a while, then I would actually encourage you to introduce phrases if they're getting a little bit stagnant with the single words. So um, sometimes we this is a really good goal to use too for IEP goals um, or an intervention to use. I find that this creates a lot more progress. So, okay. Love the fluency. Next. There's also a comprehension section, right? Yes. And vocabulary as well. And the vocabulary is great for teaching um, other concepts like homophones and compound words. Um, there's uh, so many word meanings. and um, I love the word meaning ones because those really helped my English language learners. Yes. Um, so two of the favorites that I'm going to link um, specifically are ones called Multiple Meaning Match and Word Web and Again, Florida Center for Reading Research takes the guesswork out of it where you're not having to pick, okay, what words have four meanings to be able to put on a spider web? They've already laid it all out for you. But it's it's building that awareness for students that words in English do have multiple meanings. Like the word trunk could be a tree trunk or an elephant's nose or a car trunk. And right. <laughs> that's confusing for the English language learners. And so the more work they can do with that, the better. And so I did a lot of those in small group as well. Um, I love that there are so many other games that kind of go along with it too. Like even with um, contractions, sometimes contractions either get missed by some kids, but there's a contractions bingo. I love that one. Um, and my kids always loved breaking those words apart a little bit more too. Um, if you're teaching, um, the affixes like the suffixes or the prefixes, there's a lot of great games, but my absolute favorite one is actually the synonyms and antonyms. And so you put a, you put the cards that go in the center and in the center, there is the, um, base word. Um, and then they have separate words that match with the antonym and the synonym. And so you're going to figure that out. So it's another multi-layer game um, for kids. And I think it's higher level thinking. It's a little bit tricky. I loved teaching it in a small group and the kids would get really competitive and get really excited. Everyone would get different cards and everyone was paying attention. Loved that one. So if you can't tell, listen. That reminds me mm-hmm. of another one that I liked oh. called Root a Word. And it was oh, yes. um, with all the Greek and Latin roots. Yeah. And it had a tree. With morphemic elements. I love that one. Yes. Yep. Um, so we heard um, of CRR. Is this a good time to 
<laughs> yes, we do. That's why we're doing this in Valentine's Month, because we heart them. Um, is this a good time to talk about the website and sort Let's of, since you were saying how it was organized? Yeah. Okay. So um, the way we're recording this right now, I can actually be on my um, computer. So I'm actually going to fcrr.org and fcrr. I'm saying that so fast. So fcrr.org. And it looks like a very you know, businessy kind of website because it's out of Florida State. And I click on resources from there. I don't even look at the other stuff. I can at some point, but I go to resources. And then from there, I'm always looking for student center activities. That's what they're called. All these good games are called student center activities. And if you can find that part of the website, then you're good to go. And so then what Mary was saying is she was describing like kind of the areas of reading, like phonemic awareness, phonics, um, fluency, vocabulary, comprehension, they have those big areas of reading and then sort of sub areas from that for kindergarten through first grade band, second through third grade band and four through five grade band. And sometimes I would go to the two, three first because I was, you know, mostly a second grade classroom teacher recently. Um, and so I would go to the grades two to three center student center activities to find things to do for the whole group. Um, and then if I knew the students developmental level based on their test scores and my running records and things, sometimes I would go down and look at the K one student center activities, especially like you said, Mary, those had easier directions. Mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes I would go to the grades four to five to find some challenge work for some of our students. So once you go to student center activities, you'll either see grades K one grades two, three, or grades four, five. And then once you open that up, then you'll see um, they do have a teacher resource guide that kind of explains how to use the centers. And then you'll see the big bold headings of those reading areas, phonological awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension um, for each of those grade bands. And then you can go even like in phonological awareness, you can go into just rhyming games or just syllable games, or just onset and rhyme, or just phoneme segmenting. Or in phonics, you can go to high-frequency words to find the sight word games. And then there's also, there was a search tool. Um, it has been not doing well today, so I'll see by the time we link the show notes if it'll be working then. And if it does, I'll link to it. And if it's not there, it's because it's still not working. But um, that sometimes will help me find an activity as well, just because once you click on a link, like if I click on high frequency words, I'm in the K1. So I'm going to click on phonics, high frequency words. And it pulls up a 71 page thing just for sight words for kindergarten through first grade. And within those 71 pages, there's, um, let me see how many games there are. Yeah, I, I 49 games. Mm -hmm. It's... And so um, some of them are word cards. And so that's why it kind of seems that many. So it's not as many games as sometimes it seems. But um, you'll look for that one pager opener where it describes it. And then um, so this one starts with P.041. So I guess that's, that's Phonics Game phonic. 41. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then it has the one pager. Um, in front of the 41 game, and it's called Sandpaper Words. Mm -hmm. And then behind it are a bunch of pages that go with the Sandpaper Words, and then a word board for students to record. And then 
So that's the first six pages of the 71 page packet. And then um, at page seven, it goes to P.042. And that's called Word Checkers. And that's a sight word checkers game. Mm-hmm. And then after that is P.043. And I see Word Fishing. And it's a little game to play for sight word fish. And then P.044 says Word Baseball. And it's a little baseball game and materials that you can make. And you'll have to print the baseballs and copy them a bunch to write sight words on a bunch of them. And then the yeah. students can play on the game board. I would suggest that what you do is you read the directions on that first line um, page very carefully, because it also tells you which pages you need to print. Um, it will tell you what, like which cards you need for the activity and what they're called. And they're all coded based on um, what section it is. So whether it's phonics or phonological awareness or fluency or comprehension, and then it has a number that goes with it. And that's the number of games. So you want to be really careful, but do not, do not, do not just print the entire thing. You will have hundreds of pages. Um, and then you need to also yes. be careful because you also don't want to print back to back either um, because some of the games won't line up the correct way either. So you want to be really careful before you print that, press that print button. Um, make sure that you really understand the game. And then once you do print, one game at a time. And I always had a little sheet of paper next to me by my computer. Right. And I was always like print pages seven dash 10. Yes. Yes. No, me too. Being a teacher, this is one of the hardest like places to organize, but I will tell you once you do print that game, make sure you print the cover page, get a manila folder or a manila envelope. I like to use the envelopes so I can just close them. I store them in a hanging file folder, but I put all of my materials straight into the envelope after I've cut them and played a game with my students, and then they're there already. So I kind of work as I go to create all of my games, but then I keep them in the sections. So I keep all of my fluency games in one section, and I keep all my phonics games in one section. Um, And they're not you know, 100% lined up, but it is way too overwhelming to create them all at once. So while it was a really wonderful thing that the paras in my classroom created this big binder for us, it's absolutely wonderful, but it's very overwhelming and it was really difficult for them to put together. So I highly recommend working as you go, just printing a little bit at a time um, so that you can keep it all together. Yes. So if you are new to FCRR um, and are just hearing about it from us, um, welcome to the mm-hmm. club. And um, it's a party. You're going to love it. We're going to link to the very specific games that we're just talking about. And so then when you open up well, our links on the show notes, you're going to see not a 71 page packet. You'll probably just see a handful of pages that go with the game we're talking about. So that would be a good starting place. Um, for this. And then as you play the games with the students and you start to say, wow, these are free and they work. Um, yeah, a lot of them are black and white, but you can color them if you want and make them a little bit more interesting. But the students will like playing them even when they're in black and white. And then you'll want to find more games. And so then you want to go to the website like I'm talking about and start to dig and pull up those bigger packets and then open up the PDF at your browser and decide what pages you want to print from there. But I mean, 
like Mary said, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of free games. So based on different areas of reading, and that's for all the different grade levels too. So and you know um, we there's a lot in there teachers, and you don't want to get But lost. I was going to say, this is a really great resource because they've already been vetted and they've been already used for about a decade by other teachers. And lots of people are very familiar with this website. So, um, you know, you might be able to even find some other teachers who have played these games in the past and have kind of gone away from them. And you may want to get them back on track too, um, to playing them because they are really great and timeless. Especially if you're in a school environment that's like really focused on research-based, the the research has been done for you and you can show all that. I'm looking on the sidebar of their website and there's something that says principal reading walkthrough checklist. Yes, I know. I saw that too. So if there are any administrators out there, you may want to actually take a peek over here too. While I was searching recently, I checked that out too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, and then there's some presentations, additional documents. I guess I should probably look at this website a little more. I just you know <laughs> never got past at? the student center activities. You need to look at the empowering teachers. If you just have a moment, I would definitely okay. recommend that. I'm clicking on that. Mm-hmm. What is that? Oh, is that some like lesson plans and stuff? I'm, my computer is real slow. I'm getting the waiting. Let's see. Waiting. I'm going to go to phonemic awareness because that's my favorite thing. Okay. So I'm clicking on rhyme for kindergarten and phonemic awareness. Yes. Okay. So it's an actual lesson that walks you through like what a teacher says step by step. Yep. Ooh, this is great. I saw those somewhere else. Like I feel like, I think Imagine Learning or somewhere had some of these linked. I saw these some other place too. Yep. So if you think it was in that. Break down the basics. If you're a newer teacher and you need some additional coaching, this is great. Or if you are um, an administrator and you feel like you have some teachers who do need some additional coaching, this is another place um, to get some great resources to help teachers uh, with modeling how the tests need to be um, taught. Great. Bonus. Yeah, I like these. It's showing like routines about how to teach blending and segmenting and other things. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, All right. we heart I want CRR. Yes. And really look at all the pictures and videos that we're going to be putting in our um, show notes and on our website and our social media so that as Mary's describing that manila folder and I use more like clear pocket pages and things like that. And so you can kind of look at how she organized hers. I organized mine to sort of see. um, I'll point out some different how to use these resources efficiently. Sorry to chat over you, um, but uh, yeah, I'll also point out and make specific on our social media account and some blog posts um, how the game can be differentiated if your students need a little bit more scaffolding with the game. Um, I will make note of that too. Oh, I could talk yes. about FCRR even longer. I know. Well, we are like going on over 40 minutes, so I think we need to stop just for our listeners' sake. Um, Thank you if you've stuck with us this long. (laughs) (laughs) I hope there are some. Go to our show notes. Go to our show notes and uh, print out some of the ones that we suggest. And then also let us know in emails or, um, you know, messages on social media, which ones that you really like to use a lot. All right. Thanks for joining us in the Reading Teacher's Lounge.